Welcome to Girl About the Globe, a podcast for you, the solo female traveller. Empowering women to travel solo with maximum adventure, minimum impact. Welcome to a dose of inspiration for the solo traveller. This week's expert interview is with Ellen Turner. Ellen's originally from the UK, but she grew up in New Zealand. And she lived in Nepal for a year from 2013 to 2014. So Ellen's going to give us an insight into visiting Nepal as a solo female traveller. Hi Ellen, nice to meet you. Hi. Hi, before we start talking about Nepal, can you just give me a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, Well, I was born in the UK. I moved to New Zealand when I was a teenager, but I haven't lived there for nearly 10 years. I've uh, lived in Japan, Nepal, Australia. I lived in Nepal between 2013 and 2014 for almost a year. Um, I was working there and I was based in Kathmandu, the capital. Because you said that you lived in Japan and also um, yeah. different places as well. Why, why Nepal specifically? I had actually never been to Nepal before I went there, um, but I ha- before I moved there uh, for my work. But I had I did my PhD in Australia between 2009 and 2012, and I studied I studied India. I studied a lot of stuff to do with contemporary and historical India, and I was very interested in India, and I'd been there a lot of times and uh, was was very drawn to South Asia in general. But when this job opportunity came up working in a magazine in Kathmandu, I jumped at the chance, um, even though I'd never been there. I, I was sort of under the impression that Nepal was going to be a lot more similar to India than it really is. So I was quite surprised when I got there and found that it, it really is quite culturally and um, geographically quite different. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was drawn to Nepal really by the, the job and my interest in South Asia more than, I didn't choose, I didn't sort of think, right, where am I going to move? I know I'll move to Nepal. It was the job and it was the, the circumstances at the time that led me there. That's exciting though, working for a magazine in Nepal. Great. So I know Nepal's mainly known for trekking and obviously Mount Everest and the base camp, but what would you say is its other attractions for women travelling solo specifically? Well, before I went to Nepal, I actually, uh, I wasn't very interested in trekking and it was one of the main, I was, that was maybe the reason I hadn't been there before. I've been to India a lot, um, but I've never been particularly attracted to Nepal because I'm not, I wasn't that interested in trekking. But I, I found that there's actually, there's a lot else to do. Sure, the trekking is the main attraction, but there is a lot more else to do there and that's not really advertised very well or very much. Um, there's a lot of things to do in Kathmandu itself. There's a lot of very, very beautiful old temples and palaces and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, a lot of them have been quite badly damaged by the earthquake, but a lot of them haven't been. A lot of them are still there, are still in, in good shape and are very beautiful and very worth visiting. I think Kathmandu is, is often overlooked uh, by travellers in Nepal. They, they head out to the mountains immediately and don't spend enough time in Kathmandu. So that's definitely another attraction. As well as... Kathmandu and as well as trekking, there's also uh, the, the sort of to the south of Kathmandu, there's a big jungle plains area, uh, which is a lot hotter than the mountains. It's flat, and there you can go and see wildlife, go on safaris, you know, see elephants and rhinos and that kind of thing. So there is a lot more other than just trekking to attract people to Nepal. Yeah, I know when I went, I went to, I think it's called Lumbini, which is the yeah, birthplace yeah. of the, um, Lord Buddha, which is near near India as well and I didn't even yes. realise that place was there before, I, yeah, before I, yeah. it kind of surprises you when you get to Nepal and you realise that 
you can go and do um you can ride elephants and yeah exactly and and you can go there and not go trekking at all and still get a lot out of it so i mean i, I think trekking is amazing and i have been uh definitely my attitude towards it has, has switched but um but you don't have to do that for you if you don't want to or you're not fit or you're just not interested you know yeah that's good to know so would you say that the country can be a bit of a culture shock? Because you said that you expected it to be a bit like India, which is, is a bit of a culture shock. But how did you find <laughs> how did you find Kathmandu, for example, when you first got there? Um, well, I, I've done a lot of traveling in Asia, so I didn't find it culture shock in that sense. But I think it would be uh, a lot of big shock to people who hadn't been to Asia or hadn't been to South Asia in particular, because you know a lot of people may have traveled to Thailand or Cambodia or somewhere like that. But South Asia is quite a different different sort of place so yeah I mean the, the the traffic in Kathmandu is crazy the pollution is unbelievable the a lot of the infrastructure is just very poor you know there's power cuts all the time just that kind of thing I think it could be quite difficult for people who aren't expecting it but you know you survive yeah and the buses as well what, what was your experience of being on a bus because the first time I got on a bus I was um Quite shocked. How many people? Do you mean long distance bus or just within the city? Just within the city itself. Just within the city. Yeah, I mean, I got buses around all the time. They were they were cheap. They cost about fifteen cents. Um, and I lived in a very convenient area for getting the buses around. So I, I yeah, I took a lot of buses. They're bumpy. They're noisy. They're uncomfortable. But you know, it's okay. Still part of the experience, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Have you met many other women travelling solo when you were there? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's a very it's a very relaxed place. Other than the sort of chaos of Kathmandu, it's a it's a very relaxed country. People are respectful. People are polite. I mean, it's not a good idea to go trekking alone. Women shouldn't necessarily go trekking alone, but then men shouldn't go trekking alone either. It's it's not a good idea to go alone. It's more the case that if you get injured and there's no one there to help you and you're in a remote area, then you can get in quite a bit of trouble. Um, but there, there should be no restrictions on women going to Nepal at all. There's no, no specific danger. And how did you find it there, being a woman by yourself? How did you find the way that they treated you in Nepal? Because they have a caste system there as well, don't they? Yeah, um, the caste system is completely not related to how they would treat you as a woman or as a foreigner. That's quite a separate issue I had a good time I mean I was working there I was living with another woman a German woman who worked for the UN I, I honestly never had any issues whatsoever I had a very nice landlord who um, didn't overcharge us too much I'm sure he did a little bit but <laughs> didn't overcharge us too much um, our neighbours are always very respectful I, I didn't have any specific gender-related problems there at all. It, I mean, it pays to be modest with your clothing, you know, like, like anywhere in, in Asia, really. It's good to not wear skimpy clothes, but I, I didn't feel any discomfort at all, um, ever. So are there any hidden gems in the country that people should definitely visit if they go to Nepal? Well, I mean, as you said before, it, it, it was surprising to you, like Lumbini or places uh, down in the, the south of the country, on the, the plains of the country, that... Are very far away from the mountains. Um, that kind of thing, I think, surprises a lot of a lot of. I think there are because I think when you get to Nepal and see the variety of, you know, if you read a guidebook, you can see the variety of places. But it's certainly not the kind of thing that people have in mind about Nepal. So I, I'd say that there's a lot of hidden gems just in the way that it's not just trekking, it's not just high mountains. You can do lots of other things as well.
if you only had two weeks, which isn't really that long in Nepal, what would your perfect itinerary be? Um, in two weeks, well, I I think advice really is to go for a bit longer than that because <laughs> it takes a long time to get around and there's a lot of beautiful things to see. But um, yeah, I think if you only had two weeks, spend a few days in Kathmandu. As I said, a lot of people overlook it, and I think that's unfair. Um, there's at least you know, at least four or five days worth of stuff to do there. Maybe three if you're in a real hurry. Then Pokhara, which is the other main city that tourists go to, which is to the far west of, of Kathmandu, um, that's set on a lake, so that's really really beautiful. There's not it's not like a big city, so there's not heaps of things to do, but you can chill out there and do some adventure sports if you fancy. Um, and you could do some of, in two weeks. You could do some of the shorter treks as well. Like the, there's a trek that goes from Pokhara called the Poon Hill Trek, and you can do that in about four or five days, three or four or five days. So yeah, two weeks, Kathmandu, Pokhara, short trek. That would be my itinerary. And you, you said before about the buses. Um, about yeah. How easy it is to get around. So I think there's internal flights as well, isn't there? But I took yeah. the, I took the buses when I was there, which was quite an experience. <laughs> yeah. They just drive how they want to drive, and it yeah. um, it can be quite hairy going around mountain roads. Yeah. So, what's your experience with that? Yeah, not my favourite part of travelling in Nepal. <laughs> I mean, from Kathmandu, if you, for instance, if you're going to Pokhara, which is the other tourist city that I mentioned, there are, in quotation marks, express buses, uh, which are not sort of the local buses that stop at every single bend in the road. Um, they're still crowded, they're still noisy, they're still hot, they're still not very comfortable, but they're slightly more comfortable than just the local. And they're still pretty cheap. So that's definitely the best bet if you want to go long distance. Some parts of the country, then you can't get those kind of express buses, you have to go on the, the local buses. Uh, I did the Langtang Trek when I was there, which is, is quite well known now internationally because it was completely destroyed. But I went on that trek and the transport connections there aren't all that good. And I had to go on a local bus, and yeah, it's terrifying. Like the the landslide parts of the road, you know, where they've had landslides in the recent recent times and haven't fixed up the road properly. Um, it can be extremely scary. <laughs> so um, I don't really think I even have any advice for that, other than if you want to go, that's the kind of thing you just have to put up with. Um, Although I, on the way back, that was on the way to the Langtang track. On the way back, I decided I was not going to get on one of those buses, and I bought a more expensive ticket for a private jeep, which um, was still hot and uncomfortable, but it wasn't nearly as scary as going on the bus. So there are around it, but basically, yeah, it's a fact of travel in Nepal. <laughs> That's a really good alternative, actually. I hadn't even realised that. So you can just hire a private jeep. In some places, you probably could hire it just by yourself if you're willing to pay enough. Um, in a lot of places, there are sort of group jeeps, so they'll leave at a certain time in the morning, like ten o'clock, for example, and they'll they'll fill it up with ten people or whatever, so local people and other travellers, and then just go when they're full. So, yeah, I shared it with mostly Nepali people, but other jeeps there would have been, you know, other other foreigners on board. Uh, I'm sure you could hire a jeep just personally if you wanted to, but you would have to pay quite a lot more for that, I suspect. That's a really good way to get around, though, because I, I've travelled quite a lot, like you as well, and the, the buses were pretty terrifying, yeah. especially yeah. at night. And, um, so if, if I went back to Nepal, I would probably either get an internal flight because yeah. in certain places, I think you can fly to Pokhara, can't you? I think there's yeah, you can. 
someone mentioned there that the only problem with that is that in certain at certain times of the year they're very unreliable flights can get cancelled very often because uh, because of weather you know you don't want to be risking it in bad weather um, a lot of people go to uh, the Everest Base Camp trek they fly from Kathmandu to the starting point of the trek and those flights are very very frequently cancelled so if you're on a tight schedule uh, flights aren't necessarily a good idea although they're very scenic and you know they do if they're on time then they do cut out a lot of uh, travel delays so yeah it's not an ideal alternative but it is one one piece of advice because I was volunteering there I was actually told not to sit on top of the buses <laughs> which I wouldn't anyway but you do see some of the locals don't you just sat on top of yeah. the buses actually my partner did that he was um my partner wasn't there in, in Canada with me he was living in Australia but he came to visit a couple of times and when we went on this long time trek uh, he was ushered onto the roof, <laughs> which he actually enjoyed until the road got really hairy. He was quite scared then, I think. Um, but he, he enjoyed it. He wasn't stuck inside and hot like I was inside. So okay. that is one alternative. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you mentioned Everest Base Camp as well, because I know that, yeah. that that was affected by the earthquake, wasn't it? Yeah. They, well, they had an avalanche there. Yeah, a big avalanche. It's so sad. I, I wonder yeah. how the country's actually doing since then. There's also a bit of a misconception, I think, in the world because of all the images that came out after the earthquake of the sheer destruction of, you know, certain small areas. There's quite a misconception that that was widespread over the whole country, and it's not. Um, a lot of a lot of the very beautiful things did get damaged, and, and some of them got destroyed. But there's still a lot to see, and a lot uh, a lot of parts of the country that weren't affected at all, such as Pokhara or the plains um, down where the jungles are. So. In terms of how the country is coping, I mean, that's, yeah, it's going to be a long-term reconstruction effort, but that doesn't mean that they're not, you know, welcoming tourists or that there's no facilities for tourists, because there are, you know, the hotels are still there, the restaurants are still there, um, the tour guides are still there, and there's still heaps of things to see. Tourism money there is actually a really important thing for them. Um, a huge part of the economy is based upon um, tourism. So one thing people can do if they are interested and do have the means is to go there because there's, there's not really anything to be too afraid of. Because you were there by yourself at the beginning, did you find it easy to meet other people? Yeah, I did because I before I left, I um, found myself a room in an apartment, which I had thought at the time might just be temporary, you know, until I got my feet and found somewhere else. I ended up really liking my flatmate she's a, as I said a German girl who worked for the UN um, and the expat community especially the young expat community there is really lively really fun really you know intelligent and they do very interesting things so because I had her as my flatmate uh, I sort of had an instant group of people who I could hang out with which was really good um, I think if I had just gone into a flat by myself I would have had a quite a different experience you know I worked in a small Small workplace, but yeah, I feel like I was quite lucky. And that same flat the whole time I was there, I wasn't moving at all. So. How did you find that before you left? Um, there's this email list called KTM KTM, KTM standing for Kathmandu, like an ad list, I guess like Craigslist or something, but a lot smaller because it's Kathmandu. Uh, and people just advertise all sorts of things on there, you know, apartments to rent and bikes to sail and all that kind of thing. So, okay. yeah, I was told about that before I left by my my boss and instantly found a place to live so that was really good that's great organizing it get there as well <laughs> yeah it's good Watch out. <laughs> would you say there's anything to do in the evenings if you're by yourself well Kathmandu doesn't have a great nightlife 
there, I mean, there's huge power cuts there, and there's a they used to, because they had a war for so many years. There was a, a war that finished in uh, the mid 2000s. Uh, there was a curfew for a very long time, and I think the sort of effects of the curfew are still still echoing around yeah. uh, the country. People, it's not a sort of a late night kind of place. But in in Kathmandu, there are bars, there are restaurants. Uh, there's a, there's a part of the town called Kamel, which is the sort of like the tourist ghetto, you could say, where the, most of the guest houses are, and the restaurants and the bars. So yeah, there are things to do in Kathmandu. Outside of Kathmandu, I would say that no, there wouldn't. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I don't. You can quote me on that, but I'm not 100 sure about that. But I I don't think there's very much to do elsewhere in the evenings. No. Um, but there's there's nice restaurants. Yeah, I would say the same actually because Tamal Tamal is one of my favourite areas there, and it's so yeah. easy to just go and sit in a bar and have a drink or a restaurant, yeah. and you don't feel like anyone's really looking at you or anything. It's really comfortable. But I I lived in Parping for a month. I've, I've been there. I um I went on a yoga retreat there. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, but the, the, you're right. There's just nothing to do really. It's kind of a yeah. They're just the, the villages outside the, the capital, and it's just family life, and that's it, really. Yeah. How, how was the yoga retreat? That was good. Um, I went to a, I went on a couple of yoga retreats in my time there, actually. There's a really nice yoga studio, and well, they have a few branches in Kathmandu, um, but I used to go to the one in Patan, near where I lived, um, and they would very frequently do yoga retreats to places just sort of within the area, but just outside the city. Um, so I went to one in Paping, and I went to one in uh, Namo Buddha, which is in the other direction. Nice scenery and good company and good yoga. So. That's good. I did yoga trekking, actually, on the way up to Okay. I did that for three oh. days. I've never done that before, and that's quite interesting. You spend a yeah. couple of hours trekking, and then you do yoga in the morning. So it's it nice well. to try something a bit different. Are there any areas that you would avoid in the north? Well, I mean, Kathmandu is... It's pretty safe. Like it, it's definitely not a dangerous city, but like anywhere, I mean, it's it's still got over a million people there. So like anywhere, it's not a good idea to walk around by yourself at night. But having said that, uh, me and my friends would often walk around, you know, together <laughs> at night after dark. Um, as long as you're not alone, I think it's fine. I can't think of anywhere that you would anywhere specific that you would want to avoid. I think. If you're not sure what you're interested in, then do some research first because you might think, oh, yeah, checking, I can do that, and not really realise just how much of a challenge it can be or how difficult it can be to get to some of the places. Also, check out the season because, uh, you know, the jungles down on the plains are really nice, but if you go, they basically have an Indian climate, unlike the rest of Nepal, which is, is high and not that cold, but it is quite high, so it's a lot cooler. The plains down in the south are bordering India and they get extremely hot. So it's not a good idea to go there in the warmer months at all because I think most people would struggle with that. So, yeah, do, do research into the kinds of things that you're really interested in because it's not, it's not an easy travel destination. Like, it's certainly not hard, it's not dangerous, and it's not, um, you know, you're not going to come away feeling, like, stressed out necessarily. But if you haven't done your research, you just might not enjoy everything as much as you think you might. Yeah, yeah good advice. Covered my next question, actually, which was what would you say to someone who's looking to go to Nepal alone for the first time and feeling a bit apprehensive about it? Do your research. I mean, it's not a good reason to feel apprehensive about your safety or about, um, you know, being robbed or anything like that. I mean, that's not really a concern. But it can be a challenge just in terms of you shouldn't drink the water and there are certain foods that you shouldn't you should avoid. And the traffic can be horrific and the pollution is actually very... Um, 
it was one of the reasons why in the end I was really quite pleased to leave because I, the pollution was really getting to me. So if you're prepared for that kind of thing, I say you, you have a, a great time. If if you're not prepared, it could be a bit of, back to that culture shock thing, it could be a bit of a shock. So um, my advice would be don't be worried, but just do research, you know. Things that I really loved about Nepal actually was um, the momos, which is the, some yeah. of the food, and also the tea houses that they have, which are quite yeah. unique. And you can get organic food, and yeah. you kind of stay on them on the the trekking routes, don't yeah. you? Yeah. But on the other hand, you've got this great like network of trekking huts. So as long as you know what, what you're in for, then I don't think there's anything to be scared about. Yeah, exactly. How would you describe Nepal if you only had three words? Um. Rugged, <laughs> definitely rugged, challenging, it's definitely challenging, but not in a bad way, yeah. and rewarding. It's it's very rewarding. It's one definitely one of the most rewarding places that I've ever been, um, just the the memories that you get from the, I guess, from the challenges and from the, the beauty and from the craziness of it. It's extremely rewarding. That's not three words, but rugged, challenging, rewarding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And before we start wrapping up, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Not really. I think I've already mentioned the, about how I feel like people shouldn't be afraid to go because of the earthquakes. I mean, I, it's not the safest of places to go because you, it is on a seismically active place. But I think if you're prepared, uh, if you have a first aid kit with you and you've, you've told people where you're going and you're not trekking alone and that kind of thing, then there's nothing really to be afraid of. And, you know, they're, they're still welcoming tourists and they still have the facilities for tourists. So, I yeah, I, I think I'd like to add that it, People shouldn't be put off going there because of what happened. Yeah, so get yourself to Nepal, basically. Yeah. Fantastic. I'll put a link to your blog below. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I wish you every success in the future. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to our Girl About the Globe podcast, making solo travel easier for you. Find everything that you need for your solo travels at girlabouttheglobe.com and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.